Good morning, New Hope. Glad that you're here with us physically, and if you're here uh, streaming, welcome as well. We are continuing in our series called Overcoming. And if you are new here, we are coupling it with our 21-day Daniel fast, where we change what we eat, what we drink, because we are inviting God to do something greater than we can do ourselves to overcome an area of our lives that has overcome us. And so if you're new here this morning, just jumping into the series or even to New Hope, I invite you to pick up a Daniel Fast book at the Welcome Center just to read on it. Also in this booklet, there are 21 devotionals, 21 days of devotionals of scripture and story. And the devotionals revolve around areas myself, my wife, and our family have had to overcome in our personal life. So if uh, you're not doing the Daniel Fast, you may be interested in just knowing some dirt on us, whatever uh, might be good. But uh, I invite you to, to pick that up. This morning, I want to start out and I want to ask you to think of a person that you really hate, that you hate, a person who's hurt you, a person maybe that annoys you when you walk into their presence, your mind starts cruising on ideas of who they are or what you think of them. When you came in the door, you received a nail. And I want us to think how many times we have nailed that person to our personal cross because of our hatred, because of our holding on to unforgiveness. Growing up, I played a, a game we really loved, and we played it often in school as a class, and the game was called Simon Says. If you're old enough in the room, you, you get it, right? And it's this Simon Says, do jumping jacks. So you do jumping jacks. Simon Says, touch your ear. You touch your ear. Simon Says, touch your knee. Your knee, oh, your knee, right? You know, Simon Says, you know, get on the ground. You get on the ground. And that, and you try to do it as fast as you can. And then they say, you know, now get up. And you get up and you're like, oh, you're out of the game. Why? Because Simon said, he didn't say do it. And that Simon always had to be, Simon Says, do this, do that. And if they just said, you know, jump in the air, and they didn't say Simon Says before it, you were out of the game and you were trying to be the last man standing, right? That was the goal of the game, doing what Simon says. When Jesus came in the flesh as God, he invited us to follow him. When you follow somebody, you follow them in action, you follow them in their words, you follow them in their thinking, you follow them in their character, when you are invited to follow them. You do what they do. It's like Simon says, Jesus says. And we see in God's word, Jesus says to us, forgive, forgive. But why is it we have such a challenge of overcoming unforgiveness in our lives. Well, I think first off, we need to recognize that unforgiveness is not an option. Unforgiveness is not an option. We see in Matthew 18, verse 21, 22, 
the apostle Peter comes to Jesus and says to him, Lord, how many times do I have to forgive my brother or sister who has sinned against me? Really? Seven, Peter says. And Peter thought by using the number seven that he was being generous because in Jewish culture, the requirement was only to forgive an individual three times. And so Peter thought, well, hey, I'm going to be generous and say seven. But Jesus comes back and he says, no, not seven, but 70 times seven, 490 times, Peter, which I'm sure was like, what? Sure, it blew his mind. But what's interesting about the life of Jesus is that Jesus never wasted a word. You see, in the Hebrew language, the Hebrew language is alpha numeric, which means that every word has a numerical value. Words that share the same numeric value typically provide us with a deeper meaning. So when Jesus said, no, seven times 70, which is 490, 490 is the numerical value of the biblical word tamim, which means to what? Complete. It means to be perfect. It means it's finished. A person who can't forgive will always live an imperfect and incomplete life that lacks a true understanding of the finished, gracious work of the cross. Jesus used the number 490 because he wanted our lives to be complete through the act of forgiveness. He wanted us to get this concept of when it comes to forgiveness in our lives, it's finished on the cross. And he wants us to forgive others so that it's finished as well. It's interesting as well when the disciples asked Jesus, how should we pray? That he gives them this short, compact prayer. And in there, though, he made sure to add the line, which we all know, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us, right? And it's so interesting why he had it in there, because the Lord's prayer is like this daily prayer. But I think Jesus understood that like forgiveness is like so daily, isn't it? Because forgiveness is part of the Lord's prayer, it's designed so as not to be held on to. Jesus is saying, don't hold on to other people's trash that they've dumped in your life. But forgive it. None of us in the room here collect trash all week long in our homes, and then we just leave it there to grow and to fester and to smell and stink. No, what do we do? We take it out. And that's what Jesus is saying here. Listen, take out the sin of others and get rid of it through forgiveness. What's interesting is the next two verses after the Lord's Prayer are incredible, difficult verses that people typically just skim over when it comes to the whole area of unforgiveness. 
This is what Jesus said. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive. It's in there. And Jesus said it. If you are unwilling, if we are unwilling to forgive others their sin, God will not forgive our sin. C.S. Lewis says this, to be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you, in me. And we may sit here and say, well, I've never done that. (laughs) Well, I've never done that. Sure, but we have thought it. We have thought it. If we are honest with ourselves, if God would say, okay, I'm going to take all your thoughts and I'm going to just lay them out right now, we would all be crawling for some dark corner. Forgiveness is not an elective. It's a requirement. All we need to do is look at the Bible. The whole biblical story is all about forgiveness. God sending his son to die on the cross so that we could be forgiven. It's all about forgiveness. So unforgiveness is not an option. But secondly, unforgiveness is oppressive. Unforgiveness is oppressive. It causes sin, continual sin in our lives. There's this warning in Leviticus chapter 19, 17, and 18, where it says this, do not bear a grudge against others, but settle your differences with them so that you will not commit a sin because of them. Do not take revenge on others or continue to hate them, but love your neighbors as you love yourself. I am the Lord. I love that last line, I am the Lord. It's like, it's like when your, your mother would tell you to do something and all that, and then they have that last line, and I am your mother. Like, hey, I got authority here to tell you this is what you need to do. Just remember who I am, right? But when we hold on to unforgiveness, it festers up all kinds of other sin in our lives. In Galatians, gentleness. But prior to that, there is a list of all kinds of sin that is produced, kind of raw, ugly fruit that's produced by sin. Hatred, slander, discord, faction, gossip, anger, fits of rage. When we hold on to unforgiveness, we hold on to hatred, we hold on to slander, we're slandering that person. There's discord and faction, we have division. We're gossiping. You know what they did to me. You know? And then you have this anger, these fits of rage that build up in you, and you're just beside yourself. The person isn't even there. They're like, they could be 2,000 miles away. And it's just burning in you. They say unforgiveness is like taking poison, but expecting the other person to die, expecting someone else to die, right? Unforgiveness is choosing to stay trapped in a jail cell of bitterness, serving time for someone else's crime. You think that you're, letting, that you're not letting them off the hook by not forgiving, but in reality, you're not letting yourself off the hook. 
It's still in you. What took place? What happened? I remember in 1981, I had to drive back from college to my local post office because I had to sign up for the selective service draft. I didn't realize, hey, when you turn 18, that you had to sign up for the selective service draft. All males have to. So I had to drive all the way back from college and go to my local post office and sign up under the permanent address where I lived. When I walked into the post office that day in 1981, I saw Jim Fitzsimmons, and my heart burned. Anger built in me. My eyes were killing him as he walked amidst the post office. He didn't see me at all, and I followed him all the way till he left. You see, Jim Fitzsimmons in middle school, for some reason, chose to bully me. I don't know just how I looked, whatever it was, but he was bigger than me, so every day he would just physically push me around, threaten, bully me. I remember one day we had FIAD together, and we had the wrestling unit, and we had to wrestle against each other. He was big, but I was a little faster. And I beat him in points just because of speed. I remember that day later getting on the school bus and Jim Fitzsimmons walking up to me, just slugging me in the face. He said, you never can do that again. And I hated Jim Fitzsimmons. And then, yeah, it was years passing that, but when I walked into that post office and I saw Jim Fitzsimmons and it burned and all these things, and it's not like when I walked out of the post office, it just left. But I realized I needed to do something. I needed to get rid of. And so I made a list of all the people that have hurt me or that have annoyed me or just made me feel whatever, right? And just wrote them on a list. And I just said, God, it's yours. Forgiving them, it's yours. I don't want to carry that, it's yours. Because it stays with us. Unforgiveness is oppressive in our lives. It continues to cause us to sin. But secondly, it causes sickness as well. Mentally, emotionally, physically, literally sickness. There's all kinds of medical studies on people who are willing to unforgive and people who forgive. And so I read a study by the Mayo Clinic, and they said that people who are forgiving have improved mental health. So what's the opposite of that? Unforgiveness, struggle in mental health. They have less anxiety, stress, hostility. Those people who I've met who just hold on to unforgiveness in that, man, anxiety, stress, hostility. People who forgive have lower blood pressure, fewer symptoms of depression, a stronger immune system, improved heart health, improved self-esteem. So I think God knew what he was doing when he implemented this whole idea of forgiveness, not only to us first through his son, but then inviting us and telling us, hey, you need to extend it out to others around you. Because if you don't, it's going to impact you. It's going to be oppressive in your life and continuing to cause you to sin. And it's going to develop sickness, emotionally, physically, mentally in your life. 
So unload it. So how is it here this morning that we can overcome unforgiveness and move towards forgiveness? Well, I want you to listen to this line. Give another on the basis of feeling. Even those whom we love. So waiting for the feeling to forgive your enemy is not going to happen. I mean, even at times when my wife and I get in a tiff and that, there's not a time really where I'm like, oh, I feel like I want to forgive her. (laughs) Or vice versa. Right? Especially for guys, there's not, oh, yeah. You know, no, we forgive out of obedience because God calls us to forgive. And if you're thinking that there's one day that you're going to have this feeling to overcome unforgiveness and forgive your enemy, it's not going to happen because we struggle with forgiving next to God the second person we love the most, our spouses or our children or our best friend or whatever it might be because we're waiting for this feeling. And it's not going to come. It's not going to happen. It comes out of obedience. I remember when we bought our house here just down the road on the lake, and we bought it from an elderly gentleman. And when we were visiting over the house and all that, he communicated to us, and he said, oh, yeah, this house, you know, never been, you know, uh, any water problems, never has been dry as the desert. You know, I remember the first week after we moved in, there was this rainstorm, and I go downstairs, and there was a river running through it. I was ticked. I was upset. I took pictures. You know, I had pictures and that. I had, you know what? I'm legally going after this guy. <laughs> I mean, he just lied to us blatantly. And that kind of thing. You know, we had estimates for putting, uh, you know, the stuff around the house there to make sure it doesn't get wet and all that. And it's thousands of dollars. And I'm just like mad and all that stuff. And then God starts telling me, he says, no, you don't. You're not going to go after this guy. I got some counsel from others, and they're like, Bill, you don't want to do that. This elderly gentleman ended up in the hospital locally here, challenged. And I sensed God saying, hey, I want you to go bless him. So I went up to his room to visit him, and I walked in, and, and I said, hey, Bernard, uh, how are you doing? And he looked at me, he said, Bill, how's the house? <laughs> and I had a choice to make. And I said, Bernard, we love the house. The kids are loving the house, they're loving playing in the lake. You know, we're hoping to develop memories there like you developed with your family over the years. And so thank you. We just love the house. And we visited, and I prayed a blessing over his life and healing, and I walked out the door. And do you know when the feeling came of forgiveness? Is when I walked out the door. Is when I forgave. That's when the feeling came. Unforgiveness is overcome 
by obedience. Colossians 3.13 is spread throughout the whole Bible. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any one of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. The word bear with means to hold oneself up against or put up with. Hold yourself up against unforgiveness. Hold yourself up against unforgiveness. Bear with others. Extend forgiveness. Now, a lot of people say, well, I can't forgive because I can't forget. That's not what it's about. You see, forgiving isn't forgetting, but it's choosing not to hold the sin against that person. Just like God doesn't hold our sin against us. He doesn't keep this list. In the Psalms, it says that he separates our sin from us as from the east as from the west, that he takes our sin and he throws it in the deepest depths of the sea. And then someone said he puts out a no fishing sign. Why? So you can't bring them up, right? You know, we see in the love chapter in 1 Corinthians 13, 5, it says what? Love keeps no record of wrongs. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. And so that's why Jesus invites us to pray the Lord's Prayer daily and to practice it. Forgive my sin, Lord, as I have forgiven the sins of others against me. And now, for some of us, we're like, yeah, but how do I get there? How do I do that? Why can I do that? Sometimes we need help. There's a story of two brothers who farmed next to each other for years and years and years. And after 40 years of sharing equipment, sharing meals together, of sharing labor together, they got into a small tiff that grew to where there was hatred between the two of them. The younger brother took out his bobcat and he took the crick out front and he straightened it so that it was an obvious dividing line between he and his older brother. And it burned in his older brother. His older brother hired a craftsman from the community, this elderly gentleman. And when he showed up at his home, he said, I want you to take the wood out next to the barn and I want you to build a fence along that creek, eight to 10 feet, so that I don't have to look at my brother anymore. I never want to see his face again because I hate him. I have to leave for a couple days. When I get back, I want that completed. And the old craftsman said, I understand what needs to be done. And after a couple days, the eldest brother returns to his farm. And he doesn't see a fence anywhere. But what he sees is a bridge across the creek with the wood. And he goes up to the craftsman and says, hey, I told you to build this fence. And what do you do with this bridge and that? And at that moment, his younger brother is running across the bridge and embraces him. He says, thank you so much, older brother. Thank you so much for forgiving me, for extending your relationship again with me. Thank you for putting up 
with my childish behavior and my anger, my words. Thank you for wanting to make things right. And they hugged and they cried. And the older brother realized, this is good. The old craftsman started to walk away and the two brothers says, hey, wait, wait, we got other projects for you to do. But he said, no, I need to go and build other bridges. You see, we can't do it on our own. We can only do it by the power of the Holy Spirit in us. Because Jesus built a bridge for forgiveness. Forgiveness of us so that then we can forgive others. And so this morning, you walked in and you received a nail. A nail that represents somebody you hate, annoys you, maybe somebody you have not yet forgiven. And so out of obedience this morning, not feeling, I'm inviting you to forgive. To stop nailing them to your personal cross. And so in a moment, the worship team is going to come out and they're going to do a song that I just want you to listen to and prepare your hearts to forgive. And I want you to consider that maybe the first person you need to forgive is yourself. Maybe you need to forgive God. Because maybe he didn't show up in your life when you thought he should have or answer a prayer in a way that you thought he could have or whatever, and you have this bitterness against him. And you just need to forgive him. Maybe it's another person. And as this, they play this song, I just want you to think of What does that nail represent as far as who that is? And then after that song, I invite you just to come out to your right. And then I want you to come up. And I want you to throw that nail into the bowl. And I want you to hear the sound of forgiveness as you leave. Let's pray. Father God, thank you that you extend forgiveness to us because of the work Jesus has done on the cross. And Lord God, you are inviting us here this morning with a strong invitation, a strong command to forgive as the Lord has forgiven us. And so I pray that each one of us would do this. In your holy name, amen.